You're listening to Season 2 of the Live 360 Podcast with Tony Sutherland, and this is Episode 54. All right, guys, let's jump right on in. Today, I'm starting a little bit late. This is episode 54. We're getting caught back up. I've been taking uh, a few days off of just producing consistent content, been focusing on some other things, but I'm really excited about the next podcast episodes. We're going to be talking about tests that taught me lessons. I've got 15 different tests that taught me lessons. You know, in life, we, we learn the lesson and then we take the test. Isn't that so true so often? And especially in the kingdom of God, in our relationship with Jesus, when we're learning and growing and stretching and going to new levels in our relationship with Jesus, oftentimes we'll come to seasons in our lives where we're taking tests before we even learn anything. You know, in life, we go to school, we take classes, we take courses <laughs> online or live and in person. We, we learn the lessons and then we take the tests. And it's hard to pass a test as it is. It's hard to do that because we're having to recall and remember all these things that we learn so that we can pass the class. But in life and in the Christian life especially, God just throws us in the water sometimes. And sometimes he's like, you know what? There's nothing that you can learn that will teach you better than getting in the middle of a situation and just fight for survival. I compare it to being in the jungle with a water pistol, you know, just getting dropped in the jungle somewhere with no gear. You got a compass and a water pistol and you got to try to figure it out. And I think so many of us are waiting to learn things before we go to the next level. And I think what God will often do in our lives is he'll just take us to the next level. We're unequipped. We're unprepared. We don't have the relationships. We don't have the connections. We don't have the resources. And we just have to learn on the ground. But the tests always teach us more than the lessons ever could. And some lessons, you know, I've learned in life just can't be taught. They simply have to be learned. I say it this way. The things of the kingdom can't be taught. They have to be caught. They just have to be learned on the spot. And God's not going to let you out of an experience until you get what's in it for you. And I've just found in my own life that the lessons I've learned through experience are seldom forgotten. Isn't it funny? Like when you're taking a test, you forget the lessons you've learned. But when you take the test first and learn the lessons later, that recall is so much easier and so much more powerful. And that's the way it's going to be for the rest of your relationship with God, especially if you're in leadership or in ministry. You're not going to forget those things that you learned in the test before you learned the lesson. And I just want you to rest assured that things in life, in ministry and leadership are going to remind you more often of the lessons that you've learned in the middle of the deep waters. You know, my mess is my message, guys. 
Um, I've learned that the word message is two different words, mess and age. (laughs) Mess plus age equals message. There's just something about having almost 54 years of life that will teach you things that a four-year college degree is not going to teach you. There's just things in college I was taught. There's things in the university I was taught. Lessons that I've learned in classroom does not compare to what I've learned in the classroom. Let me just say that again. Some of you need to hear that again. The things I've learned in the classroom do not compare to what I've learned in the classroom. It's not burying your nose in a book. It's getting your nose busted up in life that's going to teach you some things. And, you know, as the old school saying goes, my test is my testimony. You know, my sermons make me, I don't develop my sermons. The sermons that I develop, the teachings that I develop aren't as strong as the teachings that develop me, the teachings that work on me. And I'm going to just tell you, I've learned more through my failures. I know that sounds strange and most of us don't want to learn through failure. We're trying so hard to escape failure and to dodge failure that we don't learn anything. We don't jump into anything. We don't dive into anything because we're just afraid of bombing out and failing. But guys, if you'll just jump out there and say, God, take me out into the deep waters, take me into places that scare me, that that teach me that I've got to depend on you and rely on you. That's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. And we'll talk about this later on, but you know, learning just how to depend on Jesus when I don't know what to do, when I get out there and I'm scared and I'm nervous and I'm ill-equipped and I'm unequipped and I don't have connections and resources and, and I don't have a go-to and I don't have a mentor or a friend that can give me answers or there's no one to call when I'm out there in the middle of it. Those times teach me how to just depend on the Lord. And that's what we're going to learn in these tests that taught me lessons. I failed at almost everything that I've succeeded at. Can I just say that again? The things that I've succeeded at are the things that I failed at prior to my succession. But that's how I learned the lessons. So we're going to talk about 15 different tests that taught me lessons. You probably have some of your own. And I'm sure if we could sit down over coffee Man, I've learned some things from you, but today we're going to just jump into these tests that taught me lessons. All right. The first test that taught me a lesson is the grace test. The grace test. Grace is the answer to everything in my life, guys, and you should know that by now. And by the way, if you haven't done it already, jump over to my YouTube channel. I really lay a foundation and a case for grace right there. Um, It's a little more structured line upon line, verse upon verse. We're taking you on a journey in my story of grace, but I've just found out that grace is the answer to everything. When I work, God rests. God just kind of folds his arms and stays out of it. If I want to work it, if I want to do it, if I want to do it on my own, if I want to learn how to, you know, use sweat equity, then God will just rest. But when I rest, God works. It's not what I do for God. It's what he has already done for me. Man, when I learned that, it helped me just to relax a little more in my relationship with God. And I've had to learn through the grace test to quit trying and start trusting. You know, just keep on trying, keep on trying. Listen, guys, that doesn't work in our relationship with God. Keep trying. 
Jesus finished the work and I've had to learn how to rest. We're talking about the grace test right now. I've been tested in the area of trusting God. Stop trying and start relying more on God. God's grace saves us and keeps on saving us. It's not something I have to maintain. It's not something I have to work on. My salvation is finished. And when I learned that, when I learned the lessons that grace taught me, it helped me to just rest and relax and trust God. It didn't, it, it didn't make me sink farther into sin. It helped me passionately pursue God more. And we don't become righteous by living holy. Holiness and victorious living is a byproduct of what we truly believe about ourselves, and believe about God and believe what God thinks about us. You know, there's three things about our relationship with God that are important. What we think about God, what we think about ourselves and what we think God thinks about us. And when I settled the issue once and for all that God loved me, period, and he would never leave me, he would never forsake me. I just gave up striving to please God and live in his good pleasure. We are made righteous by God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Second Corinthians five, verse 21, you and I as believers, when we accepted Jesus, we're as righteous now as we ever will be because it's not dependent upon how good or how bad or how in between we are. There's no light righteousness, moderate righteousness, you are all the way righteous in Christ. And we have to remember that all the factors in our life, everything has to be filtered through that knowledge and revelation of grace. So the first test that taught me a lesson is learning how to rest in the grace of God. And I've wrestled with it my whole life, but I finally learned it about 12 years ago. I was on a plane flying somewhere to minister and I was reading through Romans four, five, and six. And I share a lot more about this in a video called grace is my story on my YouTube channel. Several weeks ago, I shared this story called grace is my story. And I talk about my beginning of the journey in grace. And the reason why I'm starting with grace is because it is everything. It is the foundation of everything in my life. That was the test of all tests. That was the test of everything. And I had been going through some serious situations mentally. I was struggling with anxiety and panic attacks. And, and I thought I was losing my mind. And I was in the test of my life. I was in the fight for my life. And when I learned grace in the middle of that very difficult season of my life about 12, 13 years ago, I was struggling to get grounding mentally. I felt like the enemy was attacking my mind. I was walking through severe panic and severe anxiety and obsessive thinking. And it just came upon me in a season. And when I learned grace in the middle of that, when I saw the blinding light blind me from all my self-righteous pursuits, man, it's amazing what that did in my life. It was the turnaround of all turnarounds. And I can't go back to a life before grace. There's no way. You know, as a born again believer for many years, I fought to keep my righteousness. I fought to be righteous. I fought to please God. I struggled. I strained. I don't strive with God anymore. I may strive with things in life. I may strive with 
people and situations. I may strive in leadership. I may strive to be better and do better as a person in my area of expertise, leadership, ministry, whatever it is, but I'm not striving with God anymore. And I got to tell you through that grace test filter, now that I'm not striving with God anymore, it's caused me to strive a little bit less to be somebody, to try to strive to be that person that everybody likes and everybody wants to be around. No, 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 no. I'm happy in Jesus because I learned the lesson that I don't have to strive with God. The grace test taught me the best lesson I've ever learned in my life. All right, test number two. Another test that taught me a lesson is the acceptance test. Man, that was a test I had to learn through a lot of rejection. You know, when you get rejected enough times, you're going to start either going bitter and angry at the world, or you're going to stop and say, okay, why am I striving for everyone's acceptance? Why is this so important to me? Why am I trying to get everybody to like me? Why do I wake up in the morning and think, what clothes am I going to wear today that's going to get me attention? From the minute we wake up, we're already making decisions based on acceptance. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a bad thing to dress acceptably. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, wear clothes that are current, you know, try to upgrade. Everybody needs an upgrade. Everybody needs to brush their teeth and put on deodorant and manage their hair. I mean, we all need to do that because there is a level of social <laughs> congruence that we all need to walk in. But Ephesians chapter one, verse six says that we are accepted by grace in the beloved. We are saved by grace. We are accepted by God, period. That acceptance brings us into alignment with our spirit, the real acceptance that we're looking for. All the love, all the forgiveness, all the acceptance, all the significance. And those are the main areas of human need that we have. The basic emotional human needs are love, acceptance, and significance. And so in our acceptance with Christ, we have those basic emotional human needs met. Love, acceptance, significance. We're valued by God. And when you pass that acceptance test, how do I pass an acceptance test? It's it's not something I do. It's something that's done for me. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment right here in the middle to remind you to subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a generous review. Tell us what you think. Give us five stars and then share this podcast with one or two other people in your circle of relationships who need to hear what you're hearing today. I also want to encourage you to go to our website, TonySutherland.com. You can discover more about our ministry, our resources, our music, our books. Please also visit my YouTube channel. That's where we're laying a consistent foundation for the gospel of grace. And then when you come over here to Live 360, you can find out how grace applies to the practical areas of your life. We're all about helping people discover how to have peace and joy to the fullest in every area of their life. So let's jump back in to today's podcast. We're talking about tests that taught me lessons you know, a story many years ago that I heard about a a young woman who was in college and to complete her degree, she had to take a very difficult course and she was afraid of it. And she told her dad, she said, dad, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this class. And the father had this idea. He said, 
well, let's just go talk to the professor. Let's just see what he says. And if there's any extra help or maybe some understanding, maybe he can kind of help settle your fears. And so she said, okay, okay, dad, let's do that. So they went and met with the professor and she expressed all of her fears and apprehensions with taking the tests and learning the lessons and going through the class and, you know, the whole semester, what laid before she was upset and she was visibly emotional and, and the professor reached across the table and he, he touched her hand and he said, listen, I'm going to do something I've never done before. He said, I'm going to give you an A right now. You have an A in this class. And no matter what happens, you're getting an A in this class by the end of the semester. I'm giving you an A. And she was overwhelmed by that. She said, are you saying that no matter how I do in this class, you're still giving me an A? He said, you have a guaranteed A. I'm giving it to you right now. And he said, so all I'm asking you to do is to do your best, complete the assignments, read the material, study, do whatever you can, but there's nothing you can do to fail this class. I'm giving you not just a passing grade, but an A. And she was overwhelmed by that. And they walked out of the meeting very relieved. And during that semester, she scored the highest grade in that class, but it wouldn't have mattered anyway, because she still had the A. But knowing that she had the A I know some of you already know where I'm going with this. Knowing that she already had the A in the class just broke all of the apprehensions and the fears and the concerns off of her so that she could actually perform to optimal level. That's what happens with us when we are accepted by God. You see, God doesn't grade us on the curve. He grades us on the cross. We already get the A. We've already made it into heaven. We've already passed the test because Jesus took the test for us and received the, the highest score, if you will. And so we get that grade. We get what he accomplished for us, not what we accomplished. So in life, we can now live our lives to the fullest for Jesus without the fear of failure, without the fear of losing out, without the fear of not getting into heaven, without the fear of being rejected by God. We'll never be rejected by God. We have an A plus, 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 because the plus sign is the cross. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he gave us the A plus. The cross doesn't take away from your life. It adds to your life. Can I get an amen from somebody out there? We are accepted. And this is a test you're going to have to relinquish to God. You can't pass this test of salvation. You can't pass this test of, of righteousness. It's a test that had to be taken for you and the grade had to be given to you as a free gift. This is a lesson you're going to have to learn. And so I'm encouraging you. I'm beseeching you by the mercies of God that you quit fighting for your salvation, quit fighting for your relationship with God rest in his acceptance. Yes, this is closely tied to number one, the grace test. Number two, the acceptance test is, is so valuable because there's nothing you can do to be rejected by God as a believer. You are accepted in the beloved. And it crosses over into the other areas of our lives. When, we, when we're striving hard to be accepted by others, it's because we haven't learned to receive our acceptance by God first. 
So when you learn how to receive acceptance by God, it'll help you break patterns and chains of striving to be accepted by other people. And it will also help you learn how to accept others where they are, that your demands and your standards are not going to hold people hostage, but you're going to start learning how to accept others where they are because you too have been accepted by grace in the beloved. All right, we have time for one more test today. And number three is the envy test, the envy test. Now, I got to tell you, that's a private war because so often we struggle with people in our circles or the people that do what we do when they excel above us. And envy is that enemy within. And I've I've had to learn the hard way that when you snuff other people's light out, it won't make yours any brighter. So many people will try to put your light out because they want to be the only light in the room. But that hard, cold fact is if you burn alone, you'll eventually burn out. And I've learned that envy is not a friend. It's the enemy within. And you got to recognize it. You know, all of us struggle with jealousy and envy. Anyone who's ever done anything significant in their life has struggled with feelings of jealousy and envy of those who are in their field of expertise or leadership or ministry or whatever it is, excelling above them. You know, it's always a fight or an issue between the brothers or the sisters. Sisters get jealous and envious of each other. (laughs) Brothers get jealous and envious of each other. It's happened since the beginning of time with Cain and Abel being our primary example. The Lord showed me something powerful in his word many years ago in this area, and it apprehended me. And when Cain killed Abel, the Lord spoke to him and said, I hear your brother's blood crying out from the ground. You can read this in the book of Genesis in the whole story of Cain and Abel. And he says, because you have murdered your brother, you will no longer have fruit in your own field. You're going to struggle to produce fruit in your own field. And I found that when we are so busy being envious of others, we are disregarding and and not valuing the gifts that God put in us. We're so focused on what everybody else is doing that we can't even be productive in our own lives. The, the, the hard, cold fact is when you spend your life being envious of others, you basically put your life on hold. You sabotage your own future by being jealous of other people. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to, to, to be on hold, to, to sabotage your own life, to hold your own life hostage because of your own envy. You have to know again. That's why I just talked about the acceptance test as number two, that test that I had to learn, because if I didn't learn the acceptance test, I'd still be jealous and envious and comparing myself to everyone else. I'm different. I'm unique. I'm not like everybody else. And so I've got to learn that if I'm going to shine in my own abilities and my own gifts and my own life then I need to fan the flame in other people. I need to encourage others and be thankful and excited about what other people are doing. 
because God is blessing them and taking them to new levels in their life and their leadership and their pursuits. And I need to rejoice with them. You know, when you're a championship team, I don't care if you're sitting the bench or out on the court. When your team scores a point in the championship game, if you're a true team player, you'll be jumping up and celebrating while you're on the sidelines. Guys, God wants to put everyone in the game. You may be sitting the bench for a while. You may not be on the court right now, but you have to learn that your day is coming. Your chance is coming. And so being envious puts you on hold. It puts your whole life in limbo. So you want to be able to be the person that lights others. Don't be the the one person that wants to snuff anyone out because it's not going to help you. It's amazing what we can get done For the kingdom of God, when we aren't concerned about getting credit for it. I don't know who said that. I heard it many years ago. But if you're in a team setting, don't be envious of the people around you. Be a contributor. Don't don't pull the shades down in your own life. Be a contributor. Don't isolate yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 1 that he who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. Don't be the person that hides and and keeps quiet and doesn't share creative ideas. Don't be envious of others. Just stop right now. Just stop because you don't want to burn alone because if you burn alone, you're going to burn out. When we light other people's candle, we only burn brighter. And not only do you burn brighter, but we burn brighter together. And in order to light others, you got to give some of your light away. If you let envy control your life, you're not going to get the best out of life that you can get. Listen, God is not unwise. Don't consider him unwise when he was distributing his gifts to people. Some he gave you know, super talented people. They just excel easily. They don't even have to think about it. Then there's some that, you know, they got to work a little harder. And then some, man, they got to give everything. They're scrapping from the bottom of the barrel, it seems, you know, because that's, that's God. He just distributes gifts as he will. He is the master. He can make some people a five and some people a three and some people a one, but you got to be the best one you can be. You got to be the best three you can be. Because you may never be as good as that five, but you can be as as best of three as God made you. Invest in your gifts. Don't bury it. Don't compare yourself. Don't be envious. Don't be jealous because you want to be fruitful in your field. You want to produce. You want to be somebody that excels and, and accomplishes the assignment that God has put on your life. God has put you where he wants you to be. He has given you the gifts that he wants you to have, and you can invest in those, and you can increase those. You can be better at what you do, but you'll never be that if you're going to be envious and jealous of others. Be excited about what God's doing in the life of others. Celebrate others. Don't be that person that secretly celebrates the failure of others. You know, We've we've all kind of probably at one time another said, I knew it. I knew they weren't going to make it. But inside we were kind of glad because now we thought that we had a, a place in the pantheon of success. I'm telling you right now, don't celebrate people's failure. Be willing to contribute to other people's success. I'm telling you, when you do that, when you give of yourself, God's going to take you places you never imagined you would go. 
So that envy test, and I'm telling you, God's going to put you in the field, in the arena with people better than you, better looking than you, more talented than you, more successful than you, so that while you're surrounded by people that are better than you, God's going to teach you in the test of envy how to win the battle and pass that test. And I got to tell you something, man, I'm so thankful today that God opened my eyes years ago to the envy and jealousy that I had about other people. And whenever that ugly little monster starts to rear his head, I want to find proactive ways to overcome envy by lighting other people's candle and being a contributor instead of a hoarder. So learn how to pass that envy test. It's going to be a lifelong lesson you'll learn But I believe when you learn it, you're going to experience a little bit more peace and joy in every area of your life to the fullest. Man, that is all the time we have left for today. I only got three tests into 15 tests that taught me lessons. This is going to be an exciting series. I don't know how long we're going to go, but I believe what I'm going to be talking about is going to help you discover how to have peace and joy to the fullest in every area of your life. Hey, before you go, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a generous review. Give us five stars and tell us what you think. And then share this content with one or two other people in your circle of relationships who need to hear what you're hearing today. Don't forget to go visit my YouTube channel. I'm laying down a foundation for the case of grace. And I want to invite you on this grace journey with me. It'll change your life and set you free. Hey, I'll be back again next time with a powerful and encouraging teaching, something that'll just show you how to have peace and joy in every area of your life to the fullest. And until then, we'll see you.